Praise be Jesus Christ. Slava Isusu Christo. Please be seated. Well, uh, for one thing, we have successfully uh, harvested year's honey crop. So here at the monastery, we have honey for sale. It's a dollar an ounce, depending upon how big a bottle you want to buy. Uh, <clears throat> this is pure wild honey. It's never been adulterated, so it has all the enzymes that honey usually has for those who are organic. And uh, uh, the bees worked hard, though we didn't. But I, <laughs> two of the young monks, they really worked hard to get it out of the hive and everything like that. It's quite a process. It's probably the best harvest of honey we have had since we've been here. So we're very happy with it. And now we'd like to share it with you. But of course, we have to eat, you know, so we have to make a little money in the monastery. Uh, our text today <coughs> is taken from the gospel. As usual on Sundays in a Ruthenian church. And the text is the last line I've chosen. All things are possible with God. Name the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. When you look around you, um, many of us are distracted. And we don't really appreciate God's creative will. The fact that we are here in this really beautiful world is because God created it just by his holy desire. And you're here because you were in the mind of God from all eternity. So you are very important to him, regardless how others treat you. Because we do not love our neighbor the way we should, because we forget that each one of them is a special creation of God. By the Lord Jesus Christ, our gracious Lord and our King and our Savior and our hope, he summarized uh, for us the law, Old and New Testament. Says, "Love your God, God, with your whole heart, your whole soul, and your whole mind, and your neighbor as yourself." Loving God is almost a challenge. He is far from us but at the same time, ever close to us. And it takes a great effort to understand how he speaks to us in our heart. That's why the monks are here. 
they listen to God in their heart. The Father is not an unkind God in the Holy Trinity. He sent the Son, and he made the Son in to look like a man. And he came amongst us as an adorable child. And he was born of the most holy woman that ever appeared upon the earth. And we should remember at Pentecost, she was standing or sitting in the midst of the apostles. And the Spirit had descended on her not one time, but twice. And she is indeed the vessel of the birth of our Savior and the all-powerful prayer because of her spiritual gifts, and she prays for us still. Sometimes in our veneration of the saints, <clears throat> we don't spend much time, I guess priests do, about the theandric order. The Theandric order is the order of God, the Trinity, Theandric. So we know if God wants you to get to heaven and you live a disciplined life, you might get there. But it's, it's Jesus Christ who takes you to heaven. And when the mere virgin looks at you in heaven, you look like her son or her daughter. A beautiful thing to behold. A beautiful dignity. And further, you are vessels of the Holy Spirit because you were baptized, chrismated, and received the Holy Eucharist. You're not an ordinary person. You have the royal gifts. Kings are created by using the same chrism that was used when you were chrismated, making you a member of the Theandric order. And the holy household of God, the heavenly household, you become part of that Theandric order. But what if you fall? It's not only a personal tragedy, it's an affrontery to God what he's done for you. A real affrontery. That you did not appreciate how you are loved and created. I've been reading St. Saint, uh, Sephroni lately. And I got a little book uh, given to me about sayings of the monks uh, from Mount Athos. And I just love that book. Sophroni says this, I've told you before, that the day you were baptized, it was just like the fullness of God's life poured into you. 
not his deified life, but his sanctifying creative life to make you a temple. But that work was not finished. He then came at chrismation and gave you the royal gifts of faith, hope, and charity. These gifts were given you so you could worship God. And finally, he sent his noble, beautiful, gorgeous son to the earth through his passion, death, and resurrection. On the night before he's betrayed, he said, take and eat, this is my body. Take and drink, this is my blood. Before the Gospels were written, St. Paul wrote his part of the New Testament, and he's the first one to tell us of that holy, great, as we say in these mystery. Mystery meaning that the great, tremendous mystery, this mysterium tremendum, is God himself. But these are the ways we participate in his life. And he sent the high priest, Jesus Christ, to, to create the order of priestly priests in his church to make sure his people, whom he loves, will be said in the body and blood of Jesus Christ. That same glorified body and blood is in heaven, enthroned next to him. This is the great mystery of faith, meaning what we participate in, the sacramental liturgy, which is given to us by the first sacrament, Jesus Christ, and he became God and man. So the gospel says today, None of this would be possible without God. Nothing would be possible without God. And so many times we go to church on Sunday and that's the time to be giving quality God time to God. But during the week we are not too mindful of who's holding everything together, including you. And we don't say our daily prayers. In the gospel, it says pray always. Not just a little prayer in the morning, a little at night, and when you get into trouble, another one. And when you go to confession, you do your penance, say, I'm okay now. You are in this world to offer worship to God. And let me talk to you a little bit about the Theandric order. That's the people around the throne of God. Our Lord came and took his mother to heaven. We just had that feast. Body and soul. And of course, she's of the Theandric order. She stands near the throne of God in the heavenly throne room. 
Who else is there? More than likely, John the Baptist, the, the cousin of the Lord, who was nothing but holy all his life. His whole life was sacrificial. And on his lips to the world were Jesus Christ, his cousin, and his Lord. Some of the fathers say St. John Chrysostom. St. John Chrysostom, you know, was celebrating his liturgy. He did the redaction of that liturgy. The liturgy came through the apostolic line, and he reduced it to what it could be said in Greek, especially in Byzantium and in the East. became the apostolic liturgy. And uh, his life was a problem because he insulted an empress, Eudoxia. And she had put a silver statue of herself in the middle of the courtyard uh, before Hagia Sophia. He took exception to that. And then she took exception to him and she cast him out, exiled him. And he had to walk. She had him walk to death. She did not fare herself well. She died in childbirth and when they put her in the coffin, it would not sit still. It kept jumping. There's no maid to make her remains quiet. So what they decided to do was to get John's remains and bring them back to the imperial city and honor him. He must have been incorrupt because they put him in the throne. Then she could rest. His dignity was restored to him. We think he's of the Theandric order. For certainly, there are many, many holy souls that are of the Theandric order. I like to talk about Joseph, the patron of this holy cathedral. Joseph was a holy man. By the time he, the way he was chosen to be the groom of the Holy Virgin is interesting. He, they went to the temple, a group of men, 12 I think, because they always used a holy number, and uh, they were all of her same tribe the tribe of Judah. Mary was not only a princess, she was also a, from a priestly family. No ordinary person. So unusually they took her, she lived till she was 12 years of age in the temple. 
And when she became into her womanly way, she had to leave the temple. But the high priest said no. Big exception. And uh, this is the family decided she had to be married. Well, so they brought a group of men into the temple. She was behind the, whole, the altar, and they were in front, and they all carried staffs. It's a sign of a man's rank, his staff. You see me with the staff because I'm a abbot. Also, it helps me stand up. And uh, they took their staffs and laid them on the altar. And then the high priest prayed over them. Well, they gave the staffs back to the men. And Joseph's staff bloomed. You see it in his icon usually, not in this particular one because he's holding Jesus. But that's why the staff is there. Maybe it's over there in his other icon. So Joseph was the chosen one. But there's more to that story, and we'll continue another time. But these holy men, this one holy man, was to be the protector of the holy Theotokos, and of course, in their betrothal icon behind me, they never had a wedding because they could not have an marital embrace because she was to remain a virgin. God does things in his way. And at Pentecost, she stood in the middle of the disciples and the Holy Spirit came down upon her, not only at her conception of the Savior, but on Pentecost, the first Pentecost. She lived to be maybe 42 years of age. And her son took her body and soul into heaven to the Theandric order. We read the Bible which is a redaction of the teaching of the apostles. There's much to be learned from a line. To learn that, for the Holy Spirit to give you that gift, you must be faithful to the magisterium of the church, the sacramental liturgy, and you must live almost a sinless life. And then when you study closely, like priests and monks do, and then you read the scripture, Christ speaks in your heart. You get the messages. That's what you're about. That's what you're a Christian. Don't be surprised that you are persecuted. Our Savior is persecuted before us. And we are dangerous people because we have access to God. 
God can do what's impossible. He can do the impossible for you. Name the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen.